Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Nah, you know, we see, we see it happen. We see it happen. We don't move it side to side. We see it happen. We see it happen all the time. And we just gotta play. We gotta play basketball. We just gotta play basketball. And understand that one play is not gonna make up an eight point. Paul Pierce used to call that hero ball. Is that really what that's you're talking about? Called. That's definitely what it's called. It's called hero ball. And we can't play hero ball. We don't have heroes. It's a, nat- it's a natural. It's a natural habit from you know a ton of great players. These are all great players. You know, we didn't get to the league by by accident. It's just a, they're great players, and our natural ability comes out and we try to make that home run play. But as a team, that hurts us. As a team, that hurts us. And it's that's not like I said. It's not just one individual. It's everybody. You know, sometimes I just and uh, we just gotta step outside of ourselves and, and put the team um, first. And then the home run play naturally spits himself out within our system. I don't know, Sherrod. I don't know. I've got to figure out how to coach this team better. We're not. I'm not doing a very good job. We're not. We're, we're not playing well, and and it's and we're we're playing almost. It's not good basketball. We got to do a better job playing good basketball. Figure out the rotations later once we start playing good basketball, and once we all are very focused on playing good basketball, and that's that's on me. I got to do a better job. What a somber day or evening in the Celtics locker room. We're going to talk about it on this episode of The Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Welcome to the show. My name is Jared Weiss. With me, Julian Edlow from WEI and CLNS Radio. We've got a lot to talk about today. First, off the top, new theme song from Teddy Roxpin and John Gannon called This Hymn. Oh, I lost my mind when I heard that track for the first time. You haven't even heard it yet, so you don't know what I'm talking haven't. about. But you guys have just heard it, so I hope you enjoy it. There's a link in uh, the description to iTunes, so you can download it there. Uh, so we got to talk about what happened after the game, and then we'll get into what happened during the game. But there were two very, very fascinating statements that you saw off the top. Brad Stevens saying that he's not doing a good job coaching. Jared Solinger saying that this team cannot have heroes on it. Well, because they don't have any heroes, so that's why they can't this be heroes. True. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at, let's start with what Solinger said. So, Solinger was very adamant that they are not playing like a team, and there have been a lot of comments from the last few weeks that have indicated that that's an issue. Looking at it coming out of the Rondo trade, how do you see this playing out, and what do you think of what Solinger said? Well, no hero ball was certainly a, a theme while Solinger was speaking, and that is, like you said, the nature of this team. They didn't have a lot of scores before. Now Rondo, who was seen as their leader, is gone. So this team is just, you know, another voice in the locker room down. 
and that reflects when we see them play on the court. So they're, you know, kind of trying to figure out where the best place to go with the ball is, especially on nights where guys like Jeff Green put up seven points. You know, he's their go-to scorer. He's getting back to a little bit of those inconsistencies that we saw from him last year. On a night from like tonight, the starters don't play well. You got to look to different people to try and, you know, carry that load. And that's tough, especially on a bad team. And the thing is, I as Solinger, what do you want to be that hero? I know he took a, he took it as me saying, well, do you want to play hero ball? What I was trying to ask him was, do you want to be the guy that has to step up for the team when right. they need to? Because right now, someone needs to step up for the team. Solinger said that, no, you can't be a hero. But it's pretty clear that Solinger is trying to be the guy that is leading the team forward. So rather, putting the team on his back is trying to push them forward. And this is kind of a make-or-break moment for Jared Solinger, where he's in the middle of his third year. He's clearly a guy that has the talent to be a key cog in a decent team. Yep. And he has put in the work on the court, and it looks like he's putting the work in off the court the way he came in better shape in the camp this year. But the second half of the season is really Jared Solinger's chance to say, I'm going to lead this team forward. We need everyone to do their part and make a good system, but I'm going to be the one that's pushing guys and making sure everyone's doing what they need to do. And when everything breaks down because the defense is too good for the for us to run our system, I'll be able to take that shot and I'll be confident to take that shot. And do you think Solinger is going to be doing that? Well, this team probably is not going to make the playoffs. Obviously, their record is not very good, but in the crazy Eastern Conference, they're always going to be around a few games out of that eight seed. So the playoffs are going to remain something that we're going to have to talk about. But the second half of the season is about developing this young core. Smart, young, the rest of the young guys, and Sullinger is kind of one of the, one of the older young guys, if that makes sense. He's in the middle of his third year, like you said. He had a big night tonight, 22 points, trying to lead this team. So yes, I think Sullinger is a guy the second half of this season Let's find out what we have in Sullinger. If I'm Brad Stevens, if I'm Danny Ainge, let's run the offense through him a little bit more. He takes a lot of threes. I would like to see them run the ball through him in the post a little bit more. And, hey, let's find out, could this be, you know, a guy that makes some all-star teams in the future, or is he going to fall off a little bit? We'll see. It, it, hopefully they find out the second half of the season by, by using him. This is why we host the show together, because <laughs> – one of the things that drives me just nuts about the way that Stevens is running this team is they're not running solely out of the high posts as a point guy. They need He's to huge. be able to do that. I mean, they if you if you have a high post passing big, that allows you to run action up top and underneath baseline with guys setting cross screens, all sorts of stuff that the Celtics would like to do. Mm-hmm. And they just don't do it. They do it with a Linux once in a while. But I feel like Solinger is a really good back-to-the-basket passer. He's a guy that can post up back-to-the-basket from 10 feet out, Put the ball out here, and he can slip those those little pocket passes there. Find the lanes. He does it once in a while, but I don't think it really comes out organically through the system. It's more of opportunity. It does not come out organically. You're correct. This is, but seriously, this is the time to try it. If you want to know what you have in Jared Sullinger, try now and and you know see what he is as the guy. Obviously, when you get the team to where you want it to be, you don't want Jared Sullinger to be your number one guy, but, you know, he can be a very good player on, on a good team, I think. All right, before I lose my voice here, as I'm pretty under the weather, I want to talk about, it's getting away from the macro, focusing on the micro here tonight. So we know on the show, the eighth man is my favorite man. 
And of course. Tonight, we <laughs> Who had... Who cares about the first seven? Uh, first, screw those guys. We had two of them going at it tonight. We had Jay Crowder, who has been solid ever since he got to Boston. As he gets more playing time, he's really starting to find a rhythm here. But we finally got James Young. It's yep. about damn time. It finally F-wording happened, just so we don't have to censor <laughs> it out. F-word. It happened. Bleep. I mean, it, James Young has been tearing it up in Maine. I mean, so did Dwight Powell. We know that doesn't really translate necessarily. But James Young has been put in the work. There's, there's like, no reason to play a guy, unless he's completely not ready to play in the NBA, there's no reason not to play him. And James Young clearly is ready to get some minutes tonight. He got that chance, and he was fantastic in the second half. He was running hard. He was playing solid defense. He was making plays. And then the shots he was hitting were huge. He hit some game-breaking shots that completely turned the momentum around, got the Celtics back into it. If it wasn't for that one Kemba Walker drive by um, uh, by Brandon Bass that basically kind of broke that run, mm -hmm. the Celtics could have gone all the way and made it a one-possession ball game here. But just talk to me about James Young. I just want to bask in the glow. Just like Sullinger finding out if he's, you know, one of the guys that you can build around now, it's getting to the second half of the season. Young's put in the work in Maine. Let's find out what we have in Young the second half of the season and give him some minutes. You know, coming into tonight, Young had played 18 NBA minutes on the season. He played 18 minutes just tonight, and they were very good minutes. Nobody can argue that. He had 13 points. They were all in the second half. He shot... Let's see, five for seven from the field. He was three for four from downtown. He's been hitting almost like 50% of his threes while playing for the Red Claws. You know, we're at the point in the season where now is the time. Figure out what you have in your young pieces. Maybe Smart eventually becomes the starting point guard and Young becomes a guy, you know, your favorite eighth man that just gets those minutes. 18 minutes is fine. 18 minutes off the bench. That's all he needs. He really should be getting get, more than let that. Let him get He's some shots man. up, and, yeah. you know, that's really going to help his development. He's gotten – the D-League has obviously worked. There's the next step. Let's, you know, start to take it with him. Here's the thing. So he's – He's, he's a guy that fits everything that this team needs. They need guys that can run. They need guys that can shoot. He's obviously going to be extremely inconsistent considering he's only 19 years old. And, oh, my God, right. I feel old now. And I just graduated <laughs> college a couple years ago. I can't believe I just said that. But he is just – he fits so many things that this team wants to have for its future and needs to have in its present. And it's rewarding to see him get those minutes. It is. It, you, you see these kind of draft picks that they get sewed away in the D-League, and you're worried. Are they, like, did, they, did they blow it there? A lot right. of people saw that James Young pick as a nice little seal the Celtics had there. And you see him come out in his first game. I mean, I know it's against the Hornets. I know it's against MKG, who who's a really effective defender, but not True. really much of an offensive player. But I mean, Young showing that he definitely belongs here. There's no question about that going to uh, Maine would be good for him in that he's going to continue to get a lot of playing time, but I think he's ready to stick with the Celtics, not have to drive up and down 93 constantly to get right. up there, but stick with the Celtics and really see if he can crack the rotation, because Crowder's good, and they're very similar players, but Gerald Wallace is no longer in the rotation. No. They need as many 3 and D guys as they can get. I think James Young is ready to step into the rotation. Yeah, nights like tonight are very positive. Like you said, you don't know what you have in a D-League guy. Nights like tonight are very positive in the future, what the future for James Young has to hold. He's not going to do it every night. But, you know, if I had to guess with my gut, you have some guys that are in the D-League, they come up, have a couple good games. Young seems like the type of guy that's going to stick. He seems like he is for real, in my opinion. 
All right, we're going to go to part two. Before we go to part two, we got a few promos and a few previews here. So one, on clnsradio.com, the fall of the Boston Celtics by Larry H. Russell is available as of today. So go sign up and get that book. There, I've already read a lot of the advanced copy. There are some fascinating revelations in there about the Patino era, especially if you're someone that is my age or older. You're going to be really fascinated to find out a lot of the stuff. If you're one of our 14-year-old viewers don't know who Rick Patino is, <laughs> then you'll find out who he is. Um, uh, the Celtics Beat, download the podcast, CLNS Radio post-game show. Give it a listen. It's fantastic. It's on right after the game. I know you're watching this usually the following morning or the following afternoon, but if you want to get the reaction or call into the show, go to the CLNS Radio postgame show. And, of course, like us on Facebook, search Garden Report Celtics on Facebook. We put the link in the description uh, on Celtics blog on CLNS Radio uh, in YouTube. So click on the link, go find us, search us on Facebook. And, of course, download our podcast of this show on iTunes because why look at us when you can just listen to our voices? Of course. So when we come back, we're going to kick off the part two with my interview with Cody Zeller after the game, which I shot on my iPhone like this in shakiness and darkness. So hopefully you'll enjoy the interview. But we had some good talk about him and his brother going head-to-head, and then we'll talk about the trade that happened on Monday night that broke Twitter. So we'll be right back with part two. Just let the playlist play it through. If you're not on the playlist, find part two of The Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Uh, like I said, I was kind of nervous when I first got in. Uh, my first time playing here really in you know, a regular season. So uh, I was just trying to go out there in the second half and just be aggressive. Everybody just told me to be aggressive. Was one, did one of the coaches or teammates talk to you about being more aggressive at some point or in the time? Yeah, uh, before I walked out, be bad and told me to just be me. Just stay aggressive and just zone in. And, uh, that's what I did. Uh, I just try to take every shot with confidence. Uh, I mean, after one fail, I just try to go for another and another, and uh, that's just how I've been playing all my life, so I just try to stick with it. <laughs> but how much does that matter to you? Not at all. It doesn't no? matter to me or him. Uh, both of us are trying to get a team win. Uh, you know, so we don't, we hardly ever talk about an individual matchup, and we hardly ever guard each other, so uh, we're both out there just trying to get a win. I mean, how much, how much did you know? I mean, you're scouting him way more than anyone else because you've been playing against him your whole life. How much do you take that into account when you're trying to strategize against him, when you're facing up against him, you get a rebound, and he's there guarding you? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, we know each other's game really well, obviously, just because we played against each other growing up and stuff. But uh, everyone in this league knows each other. Uh, my teammates know them just as well as I do. Uh, so I don't think it's too much of an advantage. How did you guys end up playing somewhat different styles of play? How did that end up? Was that kind of just trying to counteract each other's strengths? Uh, a little bit. We have some of the same strengths. Uh, I think it's just... You know, how, what different things we worked on, different, uh, you know, college coaches. Uh, we have the same high school coach, so a lot of similarities and how we run the floor, a lot of that stuff. So uh, some things are, are similar and different. So when do you guys get to compete against each other for real? Where actually, we actually are going head-to-head, winner at the end, gets to talk trash to the next guy until the next time? Uh, uh, sometimes in the summers we'll go against each other, but uh, even then it's, you know, we're both trying to help each other out and trying to, you know, help them improve on each, each other's game. What about non-basketball, though? Must be something uh, you guys compete on everything. Yeah. Everything off, off the floor. We're always making everything in the competition, so it makes it fun. All right, well, that was Cody Zeller and I talking about the rivalry between his brother, which on the court is pretty much nothing because they are super sweet, wonderful human beings. Now, let's talk about what those guys did to each other. So, Cody, Tyler, went head-to-head. Cody eviscerated Tyler. What happened there? I, 
they don't really guard each other that much, which I find kind of odd. But either way, they have different matchups. But Cody went at him a lot of times. Cody did go at him a lot of times. Tyler didn't play all that much. He got just under 16 minutes in this game. But, yeah, Cody was – we saw why he was the – what was he, the fourth pick or so in the draft and why Tyler slipped to the middle of the first round. Cody's a better prospect. He had a better game tonight. And I think Cody is now 6-0 and against Tyler in their professional careers, That's I amazing. believe. Which has nothing to do with the individual matchup. But Cody obviously got the best of both of them or does tonight. Because you know what? Cody just went off in the first half. That's what really opened up that lead for the Hornets. I, mean, I know Kemba yeah. was fantastic. He was scoring relentlessly. But, I mean, Cody, just the way that he was taking it to the Celtics down low, whether it was Zeller or Solinger or Linux, whoever was, was trying to guard him, I mean, th- there was no answer for the Celtics against Zeller. They could not stop him. He went 8 for 8 from the field tonight in 33 minutes. Eight, I mean, he was yeah. oh, he was perfect. 20, it was such a great performance. 20 points on 8 shots. That's about that's, as efficient as you can get. That is pretty good. So, yeah. so It's not bad. Uh, th- that wasn't very pretty. And I think that the Celtics, they need to reconsider the way they defend the rim. They've been having a lot of trouble with it. They've been trying to reconsider that all season. Well, they've been trying to reconsider it for a <laughs> Let's while. Let's reconsider now, it again. Ever since PJ Brown left, but <laughs> they maybe they need PJ again. But I don't know. PJ's what like forty two by now. They probably probably isn't uh, good to go anymore. He's around. I, uh, maybe we'll sign Scott Scott Pollard or Dwayne Schnitzis. Uh, <laughs> is that even how you pronounce it? I don't remember. I was too young. But is he alive? Pro- I hope so. Jeez. But they they can't protect the rim, whether it's bigs or it's po- opponents driving. I mean, we talked about it in the first uh, epi- part of the episode was the Kemba Walker drive on Brandon Bass. Mm-hmm. So Brandon Bass and him got a matchup on a switch. Walker took him left, was able to blow by him, and barely got off a finger roll. But nobody was able to rotate down and protect the rim on that one. It's really a one-on-one there. I know Bass was usually the guy that would be the yeah. one that would protect the rim there. But the Celtics aren't doing – the Celtics switch a lot on pick and rolls. And the big men are getting caught on the, on 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 an island. God, I can't even get that out. And they are not doing a good job of adapting to having somebody else protect the rim. And it seems like the defense on the surface level is good, but when they kind of get picked apart a little bit, they're having trouble figuring out how to adapt. Just to go back to this summer, Danny Ainge said what they needed most: a rim protector. He failed to get one. Now you're seeing the product out on the court. Ainge is a smart guy. He knows what they need. He knows that he didn't get what he needed. And we're going to see the Celtics struggle with, you know, blocking shots, changing shots in the paint until they get that type of player. Well, you got a hope before for Okafor, I guess. <laughs> or Burner for Turner. I don't Did know. Did you just create that? I, I'm sure I read that somewhere, but okay. that was off the top of the head. So, all right, let's kind of run through this here. The trade that happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Holy bleep. Uh, it was unbelievable. I can't believe that the thing that's driving me crazy, and I'm still not comprehending it, is why did Cleveland get Oklahoma City's first-round pick instead of the Knicks? It right. seems like the Knicks, who gave up two, two rotation guys mm-hmm. who are severely underachieving, they should be getting the draft pick compensation. They're getting a second-round pick. In what, 2019. What the hell happened? It's cre- I still haven't completely... You know, wrapped my head around all of it. So J.R. Smith and Shumpert are going to go to Cleveland, and Cleveland gives up Dion Waiters and essentially nobody else, and still gets that first-round pick back. So you know, Cleveland improves their rotation. You would think. I mean, Waiters and Kyrie have been kind of having some trouble. 
You would but have JR's to numbers are like the same as Waiters' numbers, and then you add Shump True. to the mix Shumpert, too. a good young prospect. You, no. you don't know what they're going to be in Cleveland. We're just going to have to find out. But to think that, you know, you see the Rondo trade that just happened and the value that they're going to get back there for Rondo, this is going to be, you know, a similarly ranged pick in this upcoming draft, most likely, if OKC can make the playoffs, that the Cavs are going to bring back for Dion Waiters. That seems like the Cavs made out pretty nicely there. And then the Knicks just sit back and say, we'll cut a bunch of salary and you can give us a second round pick in four and a half years. And Mind we'll blowing. take it. The Knicks are desperate for draft picks and they didn't get the draft pick that moved. I, I just, I don't have an explanation for dumping, it. Dumping the salary must have been equally as important to them. And they're going to cut Samuel D'Alembert on top of it. So, you know, this is going to get ugly for them before they can build this back up. And you look at what Cleveland does. They had two guys. I mean, they got rid of Waiters, who was underachieving a bit. They got two guys that are really underachieving, one that's having health issues and chump. They get those guys. They get the pick. And now they have the space to try to get Timofey Mozgov, better center right. prospect, could be a solid fill-in for Verzhao. So this is a, a massive win uh, for for Griffin, for the Cavs, all arounds. And now Dave Blatt, who... You would think so. We'll see if no. J.R. Smith oh, can absolutely, not mess anything absolutely. up. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, Dave Blatt, who is a guy that there were rumors, probably maybe falls, maybe not, that he could be on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. You bring in J.R. Smith, the most ridiculously crazy player pretty much in the entire NBA. It's going to be either a recipe for massive success or massive disaster. It's going to be interesting. I wish I could offer more insight. We're just going to have to watch. You can just sit here with your, like, your jaw on the floor. That'd be enough insight yeah. probably. Okay, so let's go to boxing ball now. So I'll start with my side of the night. It is the minutes between the Zeller brothers. We have 15-48 for Tyler Zeller and 33-12 for his brother Cody. And Doubled Cody up. destroyed him. Eight for eight <laughs> from the field, 20 points. More than double his brother. His brother's the main guy in the Celtics rotation. Is that yeah. he just he was going to town on this brother that Stevens had to pull him from the rotation in the second mm -hmm. half. So what's your stat of the night? My stat of the night is going to be 48 to 33. That was the rebounding advantage that the Hornets had tonight. Celtics get out-rebounded by 15. Ever since the Rondo trade, they have been slipping rebounding the ball. They were a very good team with Rondo. They've become, you know, an okay team post-Rondo. Who would think that getting rid of Rondo, you know, they've maintained their assists, they've kept passing the ball, but they can't rebound the ball anymore. It's a weird, we'll we'll it's a weird league that we we'll cover. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So then who's who your baller then? My baller of the night, i got to give it to James Young. I'm a big James Young fan. I just like what he brings to the table. I was happy for him tonight that he was able to, you know, get his chance. He stepped in and he took advantage of it. 13 points, 5 of 7 shooting, 3 of 4 from downtown. He only got one rebound, no assists. You know, he's been a little more active in Maine, so we'll see if maybe that can come to him throughout the rest of the season. But scoring comes naturally to him, and he showed that tonight. And then for me, you know, show some eighth men some love. Let's give the Jay Crowder <laughs> a buy end. Eighth men shined again. <laughs> he uh, was going to go with Kemba was, Walker, was but he loves go the eighth Kemba, man so much that he <laughs> had to change it. I love my boys. I love my eighth men. Let's finish it with Jay here. Uh, new theme song for this month, This Hymn by John Gannon, produced by Teddy Roxman. Two of my favorite people in the whole world. I love you guys. Thank you for making some amazing music. You can buy that on iTunes. Let's finish the show. For Julian, for Jared, this is the Garden Report. Peace out. Peace. Yeah, that's a big part. It's not even coach, I think, uh, for the most part. Like I said, guys, us NBA players should always come here ready to play hard. It's not on the coaches. It's not on anybody. Uh, it's on us as players. Like, uh, and I think that's first and foremost for us. Uh, we got to hold ourselves accountable. And you, you always have to come, come ready to play.
without a coach, you'll met you without, you know, without, without any, any of that stuff happening. You should always come ready to play a basketball game. That's what we get. That's what we get for. That's our job. Yeah, John Gannon and Teddy Waxman from Boston to California.